0: Today is Tuesday, February 27th. Spring training is in full gear. Talking Yanks is just about to enter full gear. We're going to talk about spring. We're going to talk about some other stuff. And we have a very special guest, Jack Curry. Let's talk Yanks.
1: I have an interesting fellow coming on after the break. His
0: name is Jimmy James, John Broy, whatever. This (laughs) guy went from like 300 followers to like
2: 2,300 followers.
0: Should I do that again? I don't really like it. (laughs) <laughs> you can i'm gonna do it one more time
2: i like your reaction at the end i think that plays
0: okay we'll leave it
2: <laughs> should i do that again? now
0: it's good all right what's up everybody today is tuesday our usual episodes drop on monday we push this back because we have jack curry came on the show super nice guy we talked to him for a little bit we will get to that in a little bit but first of all jake how are you doing
2: hi jimmy i'm good what a weekend
0: what a weekend uh Just to let you guys know, yesterday, my family and friends surprised me with a Talkin' Yanks launch party, which is super cool, super nice. Jake flew in from Denver. My family was there. A lot of friends were there. Uh, I was genuinely surprised. Very good time. There's two things that were bad. One, makes me very nervous that Talkin' Yanks better succeed now. Can't throw a launch party for a company, and then it... And then it dies. It's like whenever I go on a an interview for a job, I never tell anyone I'm going on the interview because then they all know that I didn't get the job.
2: I kind of do that too.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of lot of pressure now. Like you throw me a launch party for talking Yanks this this podcast, the shirts, the website. Better better do well. But I mean, I'm gonna grind, grind, grind.
2: It was your your reaction was pretty good because it wasn't like surprise, surprise. It was you looked at me and you said, "What's happening?" Because <laughs> you weren't sure cuz it was a couple weeks after your birthday and you just you weren't really sure why <laughs> why people were surprising you on a sunday afternoon. But yeah, a lot of fun. I'm as I always do, I'm going to pat myself on the back cuz I was juggling balls. I had to hide from you. It was my girlfriend's birthday, so I brought her out there, but she like couldn't post stuff on social media, so I was like torturing her basically. So, yeah, good bad guy bad boyfriend. Go talking Yanks.
0: And then the second thing that was bad about yesterday is I got very sick and not drunk. I've been sick because I was too drunk before. This was a next level food poisoning. Or maybe I just ate too shitty for three days and my stomach was like, no, thank you. But picture that scene in the dark night where the Joker has his face out the window of the driving car and he's just smiling. Now picture that. But change the Joker into me throwing up all of the stomach acid in my body and crying while my girlfriend drives our car over the Bay Bridge.
2: I, it's a very vivid image.
0: Less than ten hours ago. I, I hope we have a lot of listeners that are like, "Oh, I wonder what Jack Curry said on this podcast." I've never listened to these guys before. <laughs> <laughs> the first, oh, he's just violently throwing up. I don't want to hear this okay. at all. Okay. All right. Should we just go into the, the Curry interview then? Yeah. Well, let's, are, are we going to, okay. Let's go to the Curry interview and then we'll, after the Curry interview, we have some voicemails and we're going to talk about some spring training topics, Romine and Miggy, Wade, Boone, all that maybe, stuff. After. Maybe even
2: talk about the Curry interview because it's pretty cool. Maybe even,
0: well, maybe we'll even talk about the Curry interview, but here we go. Here's Jack Curry. Okay. We now have Jack Curry on the phone. If you're a Yankee fan, you definitely know who Jack Curry is. Beat reported for about twenty years, I wanna say, and now Yankees analyst on Yes for the last nine years, ten years, Jack? Wow,
1: you're 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 um you're very good. This will be my ninth season on Yes, and I I did work at the Times for twenty two years and twenty of that was covering baseball. So yes, you nailed it.
0: All right, yeah, you've been around the Yankees in the game for a while. We are in our first year. We can only hope that we uh, get to talk about the team as long as you have. We have uh, an important question I want to start off with. I know that you are a big music fan. You just had your first stint down in spring training. How was the PA guy's music selection at Steinbrenner Field?
1: Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a cool place to start. I wasn't expecting this. I want to preface this. You're, you're going to think that I'm, that I'm being too diplomatic in my answer. I want to preface this by saying whenever I tweet about music and it either if – it, if it makes someone happy or they like the song – that makes me happy. But I'm always amused by the people who come back at me and say, I didn't like that, or how could you like that? And my response is always, well, they're my ears. It's what my ears want to hear. So when I hear a song at, at Steinbrenner Field that I like, every once in a while I will tweet about it. I think they played the, uh, they played the Black Keys one day, and we were all sitting in the dugout waiting for Kasher, and I, I thought that was a cool little, little uh, song for us to hear. I, I'll give them a B. I mean, you have to remember who's coming to the games, guys. I mean, they, they've got to throw some, some 60s and 70s music in there, too. It's Florida. You're going to get some of the retirees and things like that. So if I can get a couple of songs that, that would be on my playlist, if I hear a couple of couple of those a day, I'm, I'm a happy man.
0: I was wondering, do you think the PA guy follows your Twitter? Do you think he, when he sees you tweet out, you know, Jack like this song, is he doing a fist pump up in the booth? You- I doubt
1: it because I went on a two a two spring assault where I was trying <laughs> to get some gas gaslight anthem played. I wanted to wanted to get them to play Gaslight Anthem. And I didn't think me finding the person and introducing myself was the right way to go about it. I thought I'd use my little social media platform <laughs> and it never it never worked. But here's a little twist for you guys. On Friday, instead of actually hearing some Gaslight Anthem I connected with the drummer for Gaslight Anthem, Benny Horowitz, who was actually yep. at the game. So I hung out with him and talked to him for a while. That band is on hiatus, although they are coming back to do some shows this summer. So I guess in a way I won. I, I didn't get the song, but at least I got to talk to the to the guy. Benny Benny's a friend of mine, so it was cool to see him there.
2: That's cool. That's cool. We were we were wondering the music stuff and I I think there's one obvious one and one weird one we kinda wanted to shoot at you. Who who runs the music? In the Yankees clubhouse, that's the obvious one. And then who <laughs> – this is kind of a weird one. This is like dating game one. If you had to go to a concert with one guy in the Yankees, I guess organization or on the squad, who would you go with? Ooh, those are really good
1: questions. So you're not talking members of the media, right, because that would be that would be too easy. You're, you're talking about somebody who maybe actually works for the team or is on the team?
2: Yeah, sure. Sure.
1: Mm. No, that's a, that's a great question. I've, I've never really thought about that. I guess, first of all, I'd have to find somebody who sort of has my musical interests, which are, I mean, I, I'm a guy who used to listen to a lot of New Wave, and now it's kind of Alt Nation and First Wave on Sirius XM. I, probably my favorite bands of all time are The Clash and The uh, people like Elvis Costello, Johnny Cash, Bob Marley, Bruce Springsteen. So I'd have to find somebody who would even want to go to something that, that i like to go to. Let me, let me think about that one for a second. Running the music, I think last year it was judged most of the time, although this year in spring training I, I see Dellen Batansis coming up on the outside. Dellen <laughs> was uh, had a lot of music emanating from his corner locker this spring, which uh, maybe he's trying to take a little more of a foothold in that area. You know who I'd go with because I just think he's a good guy to hang out with I, I'm gonna I forgot my answer on the other part CC Sebastian because I think CC would be the kind of guy who even if he didn't love the music you still have you'd still have a good time hanging out with him because he's, he's just a very pleasant easygoing guy
0: there you go yeah I mean and CC has the, the podcast with Ryan Rocco which is a good glimpse into his personality CC seems open for anything too so
1: absolutely I, I did a story last year I mean story I put story in quotes. Where I interviewed CC as I shot hoops with him, we wanted to play a game of horse. But then a, a person, one of our producers who's smarter than me, said, "If he gives a great, if you're playing horse and we go chronologically or go by letter, and he gives a great answer when he's getting an R or an S, we're gonna want to put that at the beginning of the feature. He can't play horse, so instead we just shot around. So yeah, CC was a very cool guy to, to do that."
0: Continuity gets in the way of everything with the games right, like that.
1: <laughs> right, right. I thought you guys—I I was bouncing around before I did this interview. I went and looked at your page. I thought you were going to ask me about the Avid Brothers. That's what I thought you were going to hit me with. Uh, uh, one of you, one of you, blogged about them or posted about them. So you?
0: yeah. So are you a fan of the Avid Brothers? There, I
1: am. I watched that. I watched that documentary, so I know exactly of what you're speaking.
0: Yeah, they're one of my favorite bands. Gaslight is also one of my favorite bands. We've tweeted back and forth a couple times. We actually were at the same concert, I want to say three or four years ago. The Felice Brothers opened up at um, in Asbury Park. Gaslight Anthem performed. Uh
1: Aha, excellent. We didn't we didn't meet each other though, did we?
0: No, 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 no. Just shared just shared a tweet or two and said there was a good show.
1: But that um that HBO, I forget the name of it now. Make it last, or maybe it will last. May it last. May it last. Really well done, and I'm like you. When you can get inside the head of a couple of people as they're writing a song, and they just lay that out there for you, I there were five or six things in that documentary that I wish I could steal and and bring over into the baseball world, get a pitcher or a hitter to sort of sit down with you and say, well, this this is why I had great stuff on that day. It started out with X in the bullpen. And then the second inning... I modified the grip on my splitter a little bit. And then mm-hmm. by the fourth inning, I know I had them swinging at my splitter. That's what I felt like while I was watching when I watched the, uh, the two brothers talking about, uh, songwriting and and how you come about doing it
0: yeah exactly i am always a fan of the behind the scenes and what was the thought process just as much as i am a fan of the finished product i like knowing everything which i guess is a good thing i mean i'm that's one of those documentaries and the and the interviews and the journalism for you it works
1: well you know what then i'm gonna throw in a, a plug here check out we have a yankees access show coming up on sunday with aaron judge it'll be on after the yankee game that day and I got to spend a day with him, and part of it was we went inside the batting cage and really asked him to sort of strip down his swing, talk about some of the modifications he had made. Some of this stuff I already knew, but to hear the hitter himself unfiltered, just talk for six or seven straight minutes about hip rotation and the path of my bat and and where I want my bat to be on a particular uh, pitch was really, really good stuff. So if people... Love Judge and love the idea of hearing him talk about hitting. Check out that on Yes Sunday afternoon probably about about, about 4 o'clock after the game ends.
0: Definitely. I mean, I'm sure I was going to watch it already, but I will uh, tune in. All right, so to go back to spring training, you've been to a lot of spring trainings. Like we said, you've been almost 30 years with the team. Does this feel like Boone's camp? Is there a noticeable difference in schedule or vibe uh, from Girardi to Boone, the transition?
1: It's interesting that you say that, because heading into spring training, we were all waiting for, what's Aaron Boone going to be like as a manager? What's he going to be like as a communicator? We, we know the story about Girardi, and he was a highly successful manager. The guy averaged 91 wins a year, but we know what the Yankees said as he headed out the door, as they didn't bring him back and talked about connecting with the younger generation. And I don't think we yet know what kind of manager Aaron Boone is going to be, because he hasn't managed in, in a game that matters. But in terms of the clubhouse relationships and the clubhouse decorum, I think I saw the guy that I expected I was going to see, which is Aaron Boone still carries himself in a lot of ways like a player. He's only 44. He has teenage kids, so he he associates with guys in their 20s very well. From having done the ESPN job, he's used to – going into a clubhouse or around a batting cage still and, and talking, talking the game, talking the lingo with these guys. And I just think he carries himself with a swagger, not in a, not in an arrogant way, but in an, I belong way. And I'm going to do this job well, and I'm going to get it done. And you asked me if I noticed the difference. I'm going to answer it this way. Tino Martinez, who was one of Joe Girardi's teammates and friends came up to me unsolicited and said, wow, there's, there's a good vibe here. Boone, Boone really has these guys believing in themselves and feeling as if this could be something special. So that came from the, the mouth of Tino Martinez.
0: That's good to hear. I don't know if you can hear it on the, on the TV broadcast because you're in the booth for some of it, but in between every single pitch, and I made a little video of this, Boone is yelling at the batter, win it, win it right here. Or if they take a close pitch that goes for a ball, he's yelling, that a boy birdie. He's, he's like a cheerleader on in the dugout.
1: Which... I saw your tweet, and I think that's a microcosm of what we were just talking about with songwriting or, or hitting, because there it is. That's a little bit of who he's going to be. Now, I know the um, I know in spring training, he sits a little closer to the plate, so uh, unfortunately when the season rolls around, I'm not sure that our, our yes mics will be able to pick that up, because if we could, like you, you guys are just saying, I'm fascinated by that, because it's just sort of telling you who he is in the dugout, what he thinks is important. And he has been quoted talking about winning winning at-bats. I mean, winning, it's 2-2, two, two, get it to 3-2. It's 3-2, win the at-bats. So I, I saw your tweet, and uh, no, I, did, I wasn't aware of that because for about five innings I was sitting in the press box and the, the volume's not on, and then for the next three or four innings I was in the booth with uh, Kenny and Michael. So I did not know that Boone was doing that, so... Good job by you to uh, reveal that.
0: I thought it was fascinating. I was like, who is that? Is that Boone? And then sometimes it was clear. it was like, that's Boone. I can't, I've never heard, I mean, we never heard Girardi yelling and that active. And I don't know if it'll last the whole season, like you said, but to start off, and this is what we're going to do, and he's instilling that in their brain right away, which, you know, as a fan, I like it. I love it, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a hard game to play. We, We all know that. And. It's a hard game to be successful at, and I think the one thing that Boone has said in camp that, that could go a long way, especially with a team that is supposed to win, this team is not supposed to win 85 games. This team is, I think Vegas, a friend of mine told me, because I, I wasn't looking it up, <laughs> a friend of mine said that their, their um, number is 94 in Vegas, the uh, the number for wins for a year. So I think one of the most important things Boone said was he wants the clubhouse to be a place that's that's a, a friendly atmosphere and isn't an atmosphere of, of fear where guys are afraid of doing their job because they, uh, they're worried and nervous and they're tense. Now, some people would argue, well, a little bit of nervousness and a little bit of tension. That's a good thing, and, I, and I'm sure there will be tension during the year, but I think he just means that he wants the workplace to be a place where guys are excited to be, and if they're in their, their best mode, whatever that is for them, maybe they'll have their most success.
2: Nice. Yeah. I, I had a friend mention that 94 number to me as well. In that workplace, we, we get all these storylines and it's all kind of secondhand. You know, people, you hear some people rave about Clint. I heard a rumor of a 103 fastball from Domingo Acevedo today. What's, what's like the storyline you feel isn't really getting mentioned? Oh, that's a
1: good question. I don't know if it's not getting mentioned, but. I was in camp uh, from day one. Both Meredith Morakovitz and I were there for Boone's first press conference. I spent about 10 or 11 days there. And some of our other yes people came a little later because they come down when we start to televise games, producers and researchers, graphic people. And the one thing that has jumped out to me in spring is um, my conversations with Greg Bird. And I feel like, yeah, we all think that he's going to be really good. But when you start to talk about this team, as it should be, it's Stan, it's Judge, it's Sanchez. And I, I think Bird sort of gets lost a little bit. Not, not real lost, because the guy may end up hitting cleanup for a team that could go to the World Series. But I just have a feeling that we are going to really see the best of Greg Bird this year. He seemed so at peace with himself when I was talking to him. He said that previous springs he felt very antsy, he felt anxious this spring, he's the starting first baseman. As long as as long as he stays healthy, which I know is has been the question mark and has been the if. This is a guy who could play 150 games and could very easily put up. I mean, the kind of numbers that Sanchez put up last year. Maybe it's 35 to 40 homers. Maybe it's 120 runs batted in. If you go back a few years ago, and I know you guys have followed the team closely, you talk about who was the best hitter in the organization on his way up. They didn't say Judge or Sanchez. The guy they said was Greg Bird. So the injuries have derailed him, but I don't know if it's not getting enough attention. But for me, that that is one storyline that I think we're going to really see Bird erupt this year. And there will be times where where Bird is the guy in the lineup that people are talking about more than anybody else. Well, it makes
0: me incredibly happy to hear you say that because last year I appointed myself as the uh, I self-appointed myself as the president of Greg Bird Fan Club. <laughs> so, much, so much so that Greg has actually become somewhat of a friend of the program and of us. We went to the cage with him over winter. He invited us out, and we have uh, some stuff lined up in spring training. So he is a fan favorite of the Talking Yanks podcast.
1: Yeah, that's, I, I've always enjoyed talking with him, talking baseball with him. And when people ask me, sometimes people will say, who's your favorite Yankee? And even though I've been doing this for 30 years, I have to remind people, I'll tell you who my favorite Yankee is to interview. I, I don't sit there and root for these guys. I, I have to be objective. I have to talk about the game. Bird has risen up the charts on that list of people that I enjoy talking to because I don't, I don't want to say I don't care. I mean, that, that's going to come out sounding the wrong way. I don't really go up to guys and start asking them about their favorite movies. or I want insight. I'd like to, I want to learn. I, I, uh-huh. I want you to tell me something about baseball that maybe I don't know. And, and I feel like bird is one of the guys who is, is very willing to share some of his knowledge with you and some of the things he's done differently and, and why he thinks this team will be successful. So uh, he needs to stay on the field. And I, and I think the Yankees will reap the benefits.
0: I agree. And I'm hoping So we talk about, you talk about bird and he says he's coming in. Uh, he kind of is like a different guy this year. He's uh, he's got a nice tan actually. He's got a little confidence, <laughs> but there's a lot of times spring training where you get an entrance. That's bizarre. Either, uh, weight gain, weight loss, a whole new look. Where does Tyro Estrada coming into camp saying he has a bullet in his hip rank as the most bizarre welcoming to spring training?
1: I'd have to go back and look through my years of covering the team, but I'm going to say off the top of my head it's top three, and, and it might be number one. And I don't want to say that as, as if we're, we're, we're belittling what happened to the poor kid. I mean, not only that, guys, but when we found out about it, it was at the beginning of an Aaron Boone press conference, which they've been—they had been pretty straightforward to that point. Boone would come in, and somebody would, "Oh, a Judge showed up today. Aaron, what do you think about that?" "Oh, Stanton took batting practice. Uh, what do you think about that?" How's CC's ankle?" Well, on this day, Jason Zillow, the Yankees media relations uh, person, said Aaron has an announcement, and then that's the announcement, and you're, yeah, you're absolutely floored, and. I give Estrada, who I'm going to be honest, I had never spoken to him. I give him a ton of credit that afternoon with the help of a translator. He spoke about what happened to him for about 15 or 20 minutes, and he he was very calm about it, very calm about what happened to him. But, yeah, that's a bizarre thing to have happen. Fortunately for him, the Yankees are saying they feel as if he'll be able to play the bulk of the minor league season this year. I mean, he obviously loses some time. He, he, He would have been in the mix this year. I think the Yankees like him a lot. But fortunately, it didn't end his career, which he said in the moments after it happened, that did cross his mind.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine. That's terrifying, and it is a crazy story. Just the way it was presented to you guys, I guess, and even Yankee fans which was kind of made you like chuckle and kind of get a little nervous, I think. But I mean, it's terrible, but it was crazy uh, that that hit the Twitter world, and it was like, wait, what? What happened?
1: Yeah, sometimes I'm listening to uh, Boone and. I don't know. I don't want to be a slave to Twitter because I'm taking notes. And I think in that moment, I yeah. So this is better. Better tweet this fast. This is this is basically breaking news here that we're that we're all hearing.
0: I wanted to ask you a question about that. We kind of scrapped it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You talk about Twitter, and like we said, you've been on the you were on the beat for 20 years. How much has Twitter changed the reporting game? And do you do you like the change? It is the minute update instead of you know, the, in the newspaper, uh, daily. It's,
1: it, I don't know how long the show is, so I don't know how long of an answer I could give you. I mean, clearly, clearly Twitter has changed what we do dramatically. Every baseball story breaks on Twitter. I mean, that that's where the information happens first. I was just talking to, I'm going to sound old here. I was just talking to a couple writers in spring training the other day. And I said, I think that I think the job is tougher now because you have more masters to serve you have blogs to write. You have video that you have to gather. Your bosses want you to tweet. But I said what, what made it tougher maybe back in 91 when I started covering it, and the guys on the beat that I was competing against initially were Michael Kay, John Heyman, Joel Sherman, uh, a, a writer that doesn't get enough attention who was a New Jersey legend, but Moss Klein, who was about the Star Ledger. If you broke a story, guys, the other guys on the beat, had to sit with that and eat it for 24 hours because there was no internet. And the only way they had to come back was in their newspaper the next day. So I don't know what that means other than I felt like my stomach was queasy a lot more often than a current beat writer's stomach is queasy because 30 seconds after Ken Rosenthal or John Heyman or Joel Sherman has it, if you have a source and you can confirm it, you can confirm it. Or you can just retweet it or say according to john Heyman. so i don't know that i love the fact that a scoop no longer lasts a scoop kind of disappears after a minute because i'm honest enough to admit that the only people who really care about the scoops are the guys in the business the fans just want the information that being said i i do think it's important to acknowledge who has the information if i see somebody break the yankee story those guys I just mentioned, I'll always say who had it first, but I don't I don't think that matters to the fans.
0: Mm-hmm. So I had uh, my following grow last year, which led to some bizarre things. and one of them was I had a scoop on uh, Joe not returning.
1: I remember this and I was aware of this. that's how I first became aware of you.
0: And it was the worst two days of uh, my Twitter life. And I will never, ever, I, if anyone's listening, don't give me a scoop. I didn't enjoy it one bit.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting that you say that. I, 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 um, I remember back when I was at the Times, and I, and I know Twitter is different, but when I was at the Times and I got something and then you, you break it, and sometimes there would be people who, respect your work and just acknowledge it. And then you also have the people who are going to eh, try and pick it apart a little bit. And maybe what you wrote was 80% true, or maybe it was 75% true. Or maybe when you wrote it, it was accurate. And then the person had to change of parts. So by the time they're writing their story the next day, the story might be a little different. So that, that queasy feeling I talked about that, that's a beat writer's life. You're just, you want to be the first, the most important thing is to be correct. We all know that. If you're first and correct, that's even better. But if you're first and correct, you better hope that you're, you're correct for infinity. Yeah. Not that you're correct for 48 hours And the guy who told you X, Y, Z says, well, you know, maybe I misinterpreted it.
0: Yeah, it was, it was scary. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that anymore. But uh, <laughs> going back to your, your writing, I have a question. In 2000, you got Derek Jeter. Who was in his fourth year, and you guys wrote The Life You Imagine, which went on to be a best selling book. You've got a new crop of rookies in the clubhouse now. Is there any? Uh, are, you, uh, are you bringing Judge aside for a book in four years? Are you uh, greasing Mills- those That's a
1: great question. Um, I will say this I'm working on a book right now with somebody that you guys know well, uh, David Cohn.
0: Oh, we love Cone. Cone follows me on Twitter too. So put in a good yeah. word for him to come on the show next. That would
1: oh, I will. I will. Absolutely. Cone is a good guy. So we've been working on a book about pitching. It's not a, I grew up in Kansas city and went to this high school and it's just about the principles of pitching and kind of his education along the way. And some of the things that he learned And we've hit a couple of speed bumps along the way. It's too much to explain, but the information itself is really good. It's just a matter now of, uh, of getting it across the finish line. So I have to finish that one first before, before I think if I have another book in, in my system, but um, maybe I will. And, and you're right. This, this crop of Yankees, uh, if you were going to select a guy, you already, you already talked about the one the number 99. And, and there are also some similarities, spending some time out in California with him and getting to meet his parents. I actually told the judge's agent that, uh, Judge's relationship with his parents reminded me of Jeter's relationship with his parents. A lot of sincerity there, a lot of uh, a lot of legitimately sincere comments back and forth, as opposed to some people. Sometimes you you wonder if they're just saying what sounds nice. You, you can see how close uh, Judge is to his parents and how much he relies on them.
2: Not to give too much away, or maybe use it as a little bit of a teaser. But we were miffed last year because Coney dropped in a broadcast that he didn't play high school baseball or wasn't on his high school baseball team. Is that true? Is that part of this? He went
1: to a high school that did not have a baseball team. Okay. 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 So he got, I mean, think about this. He got discovered and got drafted by the Kansas City Royals basically off off summer league teams.
0: Yeah, that was, that made both Jake and I laugh when he dropped that on the On a broadcast, Michael K. K. asked him how he played in high school. And he didn't really back it up with what you just said. He just said, oh, I didn't play on my high school team. We're like,
1: what? Yeah, it was called uh, Rockhurst High School. It was a Jesuit school. And, I mean, to think that you have a a future Cy Young Award winner, a guy who won almost 200 games in your school, he didn't have a baseball team, is a little crazy. But he obviously acquitted himself quite well in, in other leagues. I believe the league he, he told me about, well, it's called the Ben Johnson League and he was something like a 15-year-old playing against 18-year-olds, playing against college kids and throwing 85. So, he got himself noticed that way.
2: Not not too bad. That's that's not how my high school baseball career went, but I I know you're you're kind of strapped on time and we're well, we'll talk to y'all day to be honest, but we're uh, we're heading down to Tampa in a few weeks. You got what what are the good spots? What do we have to do? Do you have any secret knocks that we get us into secret? secret pre- oh, my God,
1: secret knocks. That's funny. That sounds like a, we're going back to speakeasy days here. <laughs> I, I would say this. If you can, nothing against Tampa because there's a lot to do in Tampa, make sure you get over to Clearwater. It's, it's 18 miles away, and it has unbelievably nice beaches. And if you can break away and get over to see Clearwater, definitely make sure you do that. In Tampa, I probably end up going to the same rotation of six or eight restaurants because you you get into a little bit of a, bo- a bubble where cer- certain people like certain places. I- I'll give a shout-out to one restaurant that I really like. It's called uh, 717 South. Uh, it's on 717 South Howard. That's why it has the name it has. Joe Madden used to be one of the owners. I, I haven't done the research to find out if he still has a – a piece of it now that he's not in the Tampa Bay area anymore. But a really cool menu with a lot of different choices in the South Howard area of Tampa. How old are you guys?
0: 29, 28.
1: There you go. Right in your wheelhouse. That, that, that'll be a perfect little spot for you. I have my dinner and I go back to the hotel. You guys can, you, you can explore a little bit in that area and, you, and you'll be happy.
0: Perfect. We'll put it on the list. And uh, well, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate that. You're our first uh, our first big guest,
1: Jake and John Boy. I love the nickname John Boy. I, I was happy to do it, and you guys you guys made it very easy. And I appreciate all the music chatter. That is uh, that's cool stuff. I hope I gave you enough baseball, and if not, we'll try and do it a, another time.
0: All right, one one last music question. Do you know of Frank Turner? Have you heard of him?
1: Yes, I
0: have. Okay, all right. I was hoping that you didn't hear of him, and then I got to be the one to welcome him into your world. But
1: well, I'll, I'll throw one at you. Um, have you heard of uh, Greta Van Fleet?
0: The the young kids that sound just like Zeppelin, right?
1: Exactly. Austin Romine is a he's one of the guys. You know what? I, I got no offense to Cece. I'm I'm, a, I'm I forgot about. It. I talked I talk music with Austin Romine all the time. He'd be the guy I'd go to the concert with because we have some similar. Um, we have some similar tastes. He he likes a lot of reggae. I like a lot of reggae. But he asked me the other day, he said, you're not going to have heard of these guys, I bet. And then when he told me Greta Van Fleet, I said, of course I've heard of them. I said, they're from Michigan. They're 15, 16, 17 years old. They sound like Zeppelin. I said, it's eerie how much they sound like Zeppelin.
0: It's eerie, yes. So Romine's the guy. Romine, does Romine have good walk-up songs?
1: Oh, gosh. That's a good, that's a good question. I, I don't even know what his walk-up songs are.
0: Do you have – I know we're going long. Is there a song you'd choose if you had to choose a walk-up song today?
1: Oh, it would be a be an easy choice for me. It would be a London Calling by The Clash.
0: Okay, that's a classic.
1: Yeah, just got enough power for the 15 seconds or so that you're going to hear it. You get a good vibe from that. One time at the uh, – we play a Yankee-Red Sox or New York-Boston media game. Mm-hmm. They play twice a year, one at Yankee Stadium and one at Fenway Park. And one year when they were pulling out all the stops, they they gave us a little walk-up song, and they played London Calling, The Clash for me. And I, I could have I could have just walked away right then. It didn't even matter if I got a chance to swing. If I had my own walk-up song. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd have to think really hard about it, but you knew your answer right away. But, Absolutely. All uh, right, thank you very much Colin. We'll let you go, and uh, we'll keep in touch for uh, during the season, and hope everything yeah. goes great. Thank you.
1: Thanks thank you. a lot, guys, and best of luck with all that your uh, all of your endeavors.
0: All right, have a great day. All right, so there it was. That's our first uh, interview. We had we had Josie McFly come on, but he was more of just a third host. That was our first uh, talk. I mean, and Jack Curry, no slouch. I mean, if you're going up the Yankee beat reporters and analysts, he is top
2: dog. He's he's my new favorite.
0: Done. Well, super super nice. I mean, that was that was we we Jake and I don't like to think of ourselves too highly. Like we no. will never give ourselves credit for. This podcast actually having a good fan base, which we do. You guys are loyal and, like, awesome. We love you guys. But uh, to get that, to get Jack to come on, and then we have some stuff lined up for spring training, it's kind of a slap in the face. Like, hey, maybe we are
2: kind of good at something. But anyway. You guys have, like, actually the same music tastes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he likes good music.
2: Yeah. I just get that music (laughs) when you – if you play it enough, it gets passed over to me. Then you'll figure it out. You're like, oh, maybe I like this. Yeah. There's been a couple times when when I've been singing like Kings of Leon deep tracks and stuff like that. And you've been like, how do you know that song? And it's just like, well, from, from you, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: a good point. So, I mean, he said he's writing that book with David Cohn and yeah. I, I, I had to, I mean, it's kind of like, Hey, get David Cohn on the podcast for us, please. Mr. Curry. Yeah. <laughs> but, but whatever I had to put nice. that in there because, because I, I, David Cohn was on my list of people I want to go after now and try to get on if we start having more guests. Not the
2: list. Don't
0: put him on the list. Not the list. list. Not that, that's Don't a great segue, list. Jake. That's a great segue. David Cohen is a pitcher. He cannot be on the list. Let's go to this voicemail right now.
1: Jake, John boy, what is up? pump for the season. Checking out your The List shirt. And I've been cracking some numbers. Me cracking numbers is simply me just counting. Because that's all that I can do. So we have a total of 37 names and 37 times for the regular season that guys have been added to the list six in the playoffs i was just wondering your overall projections of how many names are going to be on the list for this year how many in the regular season how many in the postseason take it easy guys looking forward to seeing you in spring training peace
0: all right so professional segue by you jake even though you had no idea that voicemail was coming. no idea that guy who called thank you very much he was looking at we have a so last year if you're very new last year i started this thing where every time the yankees knocked a pitcher out before the 5th inning ended i put him on a list and the yankees did it a lot 37 times like you said now if you're like hey why does that matter well the 5th inning if you're very new to baseball the 5th inning if you com- if you don't complete the 5th inning you cannot get the win as a starting pitcher so basically if you knock a guy out before the 5th inning ends you take away his chances of getting a win. Wins are meaningless in baseball this day and age, but it's still kind of a cool thing to do. You also make them use their bullpen, which hurts them for another game in that same series. Putting people on the list was the most fun thing of Twitter. For me, in 2017, and a lot of you that listened, everyone just tweets at me, put him on the list, put this guy on the list, add him to the list, and then I just go to my notes in my phone and add his name. We have a shirt that has every pitcher from 2017 on our TalkinYanks.com merch store, if you want to get that, but the list, we're carrying it over. A lot of people, you know, we said, should it be a one-time thing? Should we carry it over? Jake, you want to carry it over? I think we have to. It's fun.
2: The list is my benchmark for like you making it or us making it. When I want to see the list come up on the jumbotron at Yankee Stadium and become a that thing. would be
1: that when would be that awesome. happens.
2: That's when. That's when you're good. That's when. It's a, why not? Just the whole stadium screaming. After they've knocked it's, out a pitcher, but about the last,
0: I don't think it's that crazy of a thought. Like, that, uh, that, I think, the, it's a, yes, I think it's
1: awesome.
0: Th- yeah, I think that's something that you would do in a stadium. Like, yeah, little, add him to the list. Pitch, pitch pitchers that can't get a win against us, no matter what, because we knocked them out early. So, caller's question, I can't see his name right now. Sorry about that. He asked, How many people were we expecting? So, I looked this up, Jake, because I was like, Okay, well, here's my very cocky answer. One every yeah. series, one pitcher every series. Then I counted how many series you have, and in, 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 I think it's like 40 or 50. It's in the 40s. So we did 37 last year. So is this, is it too small to say let's put 40 pitchers on the list? Is that two, only three more? Is that too much
2: of a jump? 40 pitchers. I mean, man, it's, no, it's tough. We've been our Red Sox friends have been yelling at us since they signed JD Martinez about how good they are. The Yankees are going to be better this year. They added Giancarlo Stanton. We just heard. Honestly, my my question that I I wanted to sneak out to Jack Curry was that that felt like too professional. Was does Greg Bird look like the major league player we think he is? Like Jack Curry's been around baseball for a long time. And we talk about Greg Bird as having this 40 home run potential, and it seems like it, and it looked like it, but I just kind of need to hear it from his voice, and he went there on his own. So, like, you look at our first base stats from last year, it's ridiculous. So put in semi-healthy Greg Bird and Jim Carlos Stan, we're knocking pitchers out. Give me, I'll, I'll go around 50, right, on the nose. 50? I'm
0: counting right now. 32, 33, 34, 35,
2: 36,
0: 37, 38. 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51. 51 series last
2: year. So you're at one a series. Williams. Yeah. Well, that right, it doesn't work a series. that way because it's almost every Orioles game. So well,
0: Gossman just got hurt in the spring training game because he was backing up the throw home and the on deck batter ran to get into position to wave to the runner to slide mm-hmm. and when he ran to get in position there's no video because on tv he collided with Gossman who just left because, uh, with like a cut on his head it's probably nothing serious but imagine if Gossman was out and the Orioles were just like oh great now we have I don't know just clone Ubaldo Jimenez and have two of him start every series
2: or Orioles are going to be our slump buster team like if you're having a rough stretch, then all the guys are going to be like, "Oh, we're going to Baltimore. Like, let's go get get those sticks out
0: in the clubhouse." It'll say countdown to Orioles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that,
2: yeah that's, that's mean. So all those Orioles fans listening, <laughs> we're sorry, but yeah. What's your number? I'm fifty-one, Bernie. Always.
0: Okay, so you moved me up. I'll go forty. I'll go. I'll go forty-two. Nice, in honor of uh, uh, Mariano. And Jackie Robinson, whatever. That guy too. Romine and Miggy meet Jake. Spring training storyline. Pretty funny. We actually had some good laughs about it at the bar with our friend Connor, who, like, it was clear that Miguel Cabrera wanted to apologize to the brawl. Or maybe not apologize, but just kind of say, like, hey, man, like, we're good. Like, Yeah, don't care. (laughs) No no hard feelings. And he waited for Romine to get there, and Romine just completely ignored him. (laughs) That's pretty good. Wanted nothing to do with him. Our friend Connor made the joke like, "Miggy's not trying to fight first game of spring training. It's the first time he's had a bat in his hand in months."
2: <laughs> yeah, he's he's on the CC sprained ankle plan when sprints start coming out.
0: That was funny. I mean, I like who cares? I like Romine. Like, hey, uh, you're a superstar, and I'm a backup catcher, and you picked a fight with me like a fucking asshole. So I'm not apologizing.
2: I'm not. A, I'm, we're we, not good, man. Are we becoming? Romine fans? Greg Bird says he's cool. Jack Curry just said he'd go to the concert with him. I don't now know. He's, uh, now he's now he's stiff and Mickey Cabs like that?
0: Higashioka had like three hits yesterday. He might be putting the pressure on. Kratz is perfect. Kratz is two for two in spring. Combine that with his two for two in the two thousand seventeen season. Eric Eric Kratz, the Mennonite man, is perfect. Stuff. So Romine a lot of pressure on him. What else? Wade had a good showing. Andrew Hart. There's no real storylines right now. Espinoza had a uh, bases clearing double, which then he stretched to third base and got thrown out. And I kept making jokes that Boone and Cashman were like, "Fuck, Espinoza's got a bases clearing double. He's gonna force us to put us on, this, put him on this team. We'd much rather put Wade or one of the young guys. And then he gets thrown out at third base, and they're like, "Well, can't make the last out at third. Espinoza, bottom of the list."
2: Yeah, save save them some decision making for sure.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Anything else? Uh Sheffield looked good in one inning and then looked terrible the next inning. He when he strikes people out, he goes for he struts on the mound. I call it the Sheffield Strut. He just takes a nice walk off the mound. Which I don't I don't
2: hate. Do you see him playing in the Bronx this year? Sheffield? Yes.
0: It would be a long injury, I believe, because he's not on the forty man right now. I don't believe so. If it's just a spot start, they're gonna go with Domingo Herman or Luis Sessa, so they don't have to shuffle the forty man. But once there's a long, once there's an injury, and it's like, okay, we need to call up a pitcher that's gonna be up here for a couple starts. I think Chance Adams and Sheffield, whoever's performing better at the time, gets that call up. And there will be an injury.
2: Caesar Thumb. So you're saying yes? Yeah. Okay, cool.
0: But you know what? You would have said that about chance last year, that we'd have definitely seen him in the Bronx, and we never did. True. And part of that could be because maybe they're not as high on chance as you would like, or maybe it's because Cashman really likes his pitchers getting a lot of time in AAA, and Sheffield hasn't had much. So maybe we don't see Sheffield. I don't know. Put me right in the middle. Nice, man. (laughs) I'm excited for him either way. All right. I think that's all we got. More spring training will come. Uh, thank you, Jack Curry, for coming on the show. Now that we have a legit guest, everyone, start tweeting out other people. Hey, hey, you should go on Talking Yanks. And then they'll come on because, you know, power of the crowd is real.
2: Put them on the list. New list.
0: New list. Guest Potential guest, guest
2: list. Guest list.
0: Guest list, yeah. Hopes and dreams. All right, that's it. The PPPs will keep coming. We have a couple that are fun in the works. I know there's some that I'm worried. The savvy one came out and everyone was mad at you, Jake, because you, you, you were just rude. Just nervous. Just very nervous for him.
2: Just very nervous. I don't know. He should be great. Should be, he, sh- he, he should be great.
0: <laughs> he will be great. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Come back next week and we will do more stuff where we just sit and talk about the Yankees. It's a lot of fun. We're going to have more storylines and we're, uh, I'll be full time and we'll be closer to going down. The Instagram is going to start being very active once we go to spring training, so if you have an Instagram and you don't follow us, you should follow us, because once we're down there, we're going to do Instagram Lives, we're going to do a lot of story stuff, I don't know, I don't know, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we, we're trying to get, we're trying to build that up, so go do that. And
2: con- congratulate John Boy, Make tweet at him. Make, him, make him smile a little and blush. I do feel sick still, so... And uh, if
0: you if you if you tweet enough compliments at me I will cry. I'm such a stupid sap.
2: That's talking yanks.
0: <laughs> That's talking yanks. On that note, bye guys. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next week.
2: Oh, Yankees. <laughs>